Welcome to Bygone Geek. Loading another awesome episode in 3, 2, 1, launch. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? There's something very important I forgot to tell you. Come with me if you want to do All right, Bygone Geeks. We got 18 hours before an asteroid the size of Texas hits Earth. Who do we recruit to save humanity? None other than John McClane and his co-pilot son-in-law, Batman. So grab your spacesuit and erotic animal crackers, because we're on a mission from the god of action, Michael Bay. You don't want to close your eyes or fall asleep, because in this podcast, you don't want to miss a thing. United States government just asked us to save the world. Anybody want to say no? You think we'll get hazard pay out of this? Armageddon. So, let me get this straight. An asteroid is coming to destroy Earth. We have some of the brightest and smartest people who've trained for space. But we shouldn't teach them how to drill. We should just hire these drillers that... uh, I think on the work site itself that we were first introduced to them on already has a ton of mistakes and uh, big problems. Okay. I, okay. Let, wait, but it's, it's Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck? Sign. And Owen Wilson? Okay. They'll save the world. <laughs> They'll get it done. It's been, I've been told Bruce Willis has never hit a depth he hasn't been told to get. So let's do it. <laughs> Man, alive. This is a movie where I, as everyone knows, this is Armageddon. We, I would have loved to be on the storyboard room for this just to how they, how he pieced us together, how he got, well, and at this time, let me pull up this. This was, um, what, what year was this? 1998. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still some heavy players, but like this cast is insane for this style of movie. Um, and as I was watching it, I was like, I was telling my wife, because my wife hadn't seen it yet, um, which this is an, in, that's going to be an interesting little tidbit of why we're doing Armageddon, but she hadn't seen Armageddon yet. And I said, oh, look, and there's Billy Bob Thornton. I just kept saying different names because of cra- how crazy this cast list is. But yes, we are, we are doing Armageddon. What I would call, this was to me one of the first uh instances of what people are now describing the new fast and furious movie as this to me was popcorn lunacy with some emotional moments for sure mm-hmm. um as i'm showing scout and talking to her about these this movie i'm like but you see this does make you want to cry he, he his wife didn't even tell him about his, his his son and his dad that he had a dad and now look they're hugging you know uh, uh, uh yeah there's just a lot in this movie that i think um, once you give it the time and get rid of that, it's all action. Armageddon's got uh, a lot going for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. It has a ton of uh, heart to it, um, which is kind of surprising for a Michael Bay movie. I feel like sometimes Michael Bay movies don't have that heart portion of it. It's just yeah. nothing but explosions and just craziness. Um, but I would, I would say for me, I think this might be my favorite Michael Bay movie um and i think it might be the the first michael bay movie i was ever exposed to because this was this was 98 i was 13 so i was old enough to actually go see this on my own as a mm. pg-13 movie and um who'd you this go was, with <laughs> that, I, I think it was my girlfriend 
at the time, which I can't vaguely remember. I had so many girlfriends back then. I can't remember. <laughs> um, but uh, no, uh, we actually went to the drive-in movie theater oh. in summer and saw this, which I feel like, so, I mean, a movie like this at a drive-in movie theater, like it just seems so <laughs> appropriate. Um, That's like but, watching um, like a, a movie on a about a plane while you're on a plane. Like you were watching... <laughs> an asteroid hitting earth while you're out. Did you look at the sky? Like, oh my gosh, please do not let this happen. (laughs) That's wild. Yeah. It was a very memorable movie for that reason. And I, cause I think it was, you know, I feel like at the time it's like I paid for the tickets and we went there with friends. And so it felt very adult, even though it's like I was 13, but um, yeah, this movie holds a, a, a cool place in the corner of my nostalgic heart because of because of that but i mean everybody that i know i'm surprised to even hear that your wife has never seen this like this is armageddon's a pretty um pretty common film at four people that especially teens that were teenagers in the 90s that's very surprising how she missed that it is and this leads to so when eric and i were talking about you know fourth of july independence movies things like that he was like well we got to do independence day and i said crickets i've never seen it i i, I know thought he was joking <laughs> I, I, and i own it it is one for people who know me and my history with movies i do have a tendency to buy movies and then I find realize later I never even took them out of the plastic. Now these aren't collector's item movies; like these are worth nothing. But uh, I have Independence Day. But yes, I I tell myself every year, okay, watch Independence Day, watch Independence Day, watch, and I just haven't yet. So we got, we pivoted to Armageddon, which I think we we both agreed was pretty appropriate for this kind of holiday as well, like saving the world, explosions, just crazy characters. Um, but yes, I haven't seen Independence Day, Scout had not seen Armageddon so it was fun to to show her that uh, roller coaster ride so now you took a girl to Armageddon um, and I have to ask was the next day you said okay we have to go on a date again meet me at this park I'll bring the animal crackers and uh, you know did that is that what you got from this movie what yeah. a great what a great scene I mean Liv Tyler is also absolutely fantastic in this in this movie as as Ben's fiance and just like I, I feel like the emotional turmoil she has to go through at the tail end of this movie, I mean, she just shows why she's so good. But, you know, I always, uh, there, like, so many late-night hosts would make jokes of that scene. And I remember, like, I swear I saw one where it wasn't an animal cracker, but it was, like, a Lego or just yeah. other things, right? Uh, and then, of course, that music, uh, that famous song, Paul Scrutney, this time he did the vocals and the, the sound. What a great song. Um, but uh, I I don't... So this 1998, I definitely didn't see Armageddon until a little bit later. It is one of those I have in my notes. So that man alive, that is a theater movie. And I wish I had seen it in the theater. I, I didn't. But if I had... That would have been like a movie ticket stub I would have wanted to save for a while mm-hmm. just because, one, it's like Armageddon. And yeah, it's just such a fun movie. But this is an interesting. Trip and I, our buddy Trip, we had this joke. I don't know how. I don't know why it got started. Probably a lot of, a lot. that sounds like a lot of things like between Trip and I. I don't know how and I don't know why. But we would watch a movie separate, together, whatever. No, it was separate actually because the joke wouldn't have worked together. 
I would, and then I'd come back to him. Let's say the joke. Let's say the movie was, um, I don't know, uh, a Star Wars movie or whatever. I would say, Trip, you'll never guess what movie I just watched this weekend. He'd go, he'd start guessing, and I'd go, Armageddon. And we had, we would do that every time we saw a new movie now until, and we would still fake each other out. Armageddon. And then now we like know it. I think Eric and I, in our group checks we have with our other buddies, Trip is in this. I I had asked people because of, you know, another reason we're doing this, like with Bruce Willis and all his health ailments and everything he's going through, it's incredibly sad. And to watch uh, him um, and then his family, they'll support him and all that. It's very loving, but incredibly sad because, I mean, this man is, is diehard. He's Looper. He's uh, Armageddon. He's a movie called The Kid that we watch. Like, he's been in a lot of our movies in childhood. I asked, though, like what everyone's favorite movie was. There's another Bruce Willis movie I haven't seen, Fifth Element. Um, I think the scandally clad clothes, orange haired lady was probably the reason I wasn't seeing that one. But <laughs> it's just funny. It was the opposite. That was the reason why I was watching it. That was the reason you were there, yes. Um, I, I just thought, you know, and so Trip, of course, made that Armageddon joke. But it's just funny how this movie hit so many different layers for us in the late 90s and early 2000s. And I, I don't think... When it comes to, I guess, what we would call this a catastrophe movie, an end-of-the-world movie, to me, this is top of the list still. Um, While other movies might have other special effects that are a little bit better, I think we could agree that asteroids are, you know, when you look back on it, it's like, okay, it's a little digital. Um, But I I would still say, as we're talking about this, this is up there for me for end-of-the-world movies. Is it pretty high on your list as well? Yeah, I would say that it probably is the top one for me. Um, even though it's just like I I saw a thing that uh, do you remember? It's it is in the same year. I knew it was around the same time, but it, I didn't remember it being the same year. There was another asteroid movie called Deep Impact. Um, and what's funny is like there <laughs> there's a thing on the internet where the writer of Deep Impact accuses Disney Disney writers of stealing the storyline and trying to release it to the movie theater market first because he actually at one point in pre-production of Deep Impact went to a Disney kind of like meeting and just they asked him, oh, well, what are you guys, what are you working on? And he's, he specifically said, this movie about an asteroid and the end of the world and blah, 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 blah. And he remembers seeing another writer in the room like furiously taking notes. Oh, and then Armageddon came no. out the same year. Um, but honestly... I mean, one, why are you sharing it with your competition? Like, what do you yeah. think is going to happen? And two, Armageddon's a better movie, so you should have written, <laughs> like, you know, that's your own fault that Deep Impact wasn't very good. Um, but yeah, it's it's weird because I think that this, uh, I think end of the world movies in the 90s, late 90s and early 2000s started becoming such a huge market for some reason i feel like you had deep impact armageddon the day after tomorrow like there was a lot of those things that just like kind of came in rapid succession and yeah i don't know what our obsession was with as audience members to watch end of the world sort of stuff but they were huge they were all of those were huge yes um was deep impact like a similar we have to get this ragtag of people to help or was that still just Armageddon's total? Weirdly deep impact just focused on the people that were left on earth. Like there was, I don't remember it being such a big rescue mission and I believe it was Elijah Wood. And I think, 
I could be remembering wrong because I haven't seen it in such a long time. I think Morgan Freeman is in it as well, unless I'm blending that with another movie. But in that movie, like the asteroid actually like hits Earth. Like oh. it's so it's not it's a complete opposite kind of movie. Um and I think that's why it's less interesting. It's like I want the you know, yeah, the we grandness. want the mission. Yeah. I don't want yeah. the that's like the sequel of if spoiler alert of Bruce never did the uh click press hold i think it is god i would have messed that up that <laughs> that if anyone who listens to our last episode i could probably say uh the asteroid would i would the asteroid would hit earth if i was tasked to do click press hold or pick between is this gary sinise or greg kinnear sorry earth <laughs> we would be destroyed now you just said a name uh, Elijah Wood, and then it made me think of Day of After Tomorrow. Uh, Was that a young Jake Gyllenhaal? Mm -hmm. And now this is a young Ben Affleck. For anyone, um, uh, I had recently seen The Flash, and Ben Affleck is in that movie, and that's not a spoiler. That's in the trailer. But like watching Armageddon, and now watching The Flash. The man is a good-looking man. Don't get me wrong. He is so young in Armageddon. It's insane how yeah. young he looks, especially when he shares the screen with Bruce Willis, who's also a good looking man. But like baby face Ben Affleck mm -hmm. is just something else. Like how when what year was Goodwill Hunting? 94? Uh, yeah, maybe it was before this. Yeah. So that was so for this is about four years later. It's just so wild seeing him. But then it goes to I think it does go to Bruce Willis's credit. Like I still think he's aged really, really well. Like, you know, uh, he's he so hats off to him as well. But yeah, it was just so funny seeing a young Bruce Willis. I mean, again, a young Owen Wilson. Um, Billy Bob Thornton looks wildly different because he does look like a just a tired, overworked kind of <laughs> kind of guy. Um, Steve Buscemi, the great Steve Buscemi. Now, one of my favorite people. This is actually there's two people and they're both in my mind kind of the same, but for different reasons. So William Finchner, he is Colonel uh, Willie Sharp, and he's like the main astronaut who's probably like sitting there like, guys, you could have trained me to drill. What are we doing here? I met him. I think I've talked about this, though, before, because he's in all basically every movie. And I, I did get a chance to meet him. He's really nice. But here's a guy, Will Patton. When I say his name, I can tell you that he's. Um, one of my favorite characters in Remember the Titans. Mm -hmm. Could not tell you that at all. But then you see his face, you're like, yes, that's the coach who gives that great speech when they're when the refs are are cheating the team. And he's like, you blitz all night. And in this movie, he has a similar thing where he's like, he has this really three-word yelling sentence and he really gets the ending of that word, like the inflection, all that. But, you know, he's Chick in this movie. He's Bruce Willis' best friend. He's the guy who... Um, you know, messed up his his relationship. The wife doesn't even. Sh sh they have a son, but the, he the son doesn't know he has a dad. Um, I love his character in this because he is like just loyal and supportive, and he gets his. He's realized what he why he's doing this. He's doing this to save his family, who doesn't even talk to him back on Earth. But I love him in this movie. I love him in a lot of movies. But I just thought it was wild. Like that was probably my Leonardo DiCaprio pointing. That's that's him from you know Remember the Titans. And then my wife's like, uh, uh huh. But it's just so. I just scrolling through. This is a 
a wild cast. I would love to see who got, well, we know Bruce Willis got top billing, but like how far apart was like Affleck or Billy Bob? I would imagine it's Billy Bob would probably be next. Um, I don't know how high his popularity was, but yeah, I mean, this movie, did you look and see what the budget was? Because if they had to pay Billy Bob, we know this is a Michael Bay movie. Um, I'm sure. Oh, box office five hundred and fifty three point seven million. Yeah, I so I wonder like how. One, I think it was one eighty or something like that. It was under just under two, I believe, was the budget. Yeah. Oh, so Bruce could have asked for more <laughs> money. <laughs> um, but wow, just just crazy. I did. Crazy. I did see a thing that twenty thousand dollars of this budget was to fix Ben Affleck's teeth. Apparently, Michael Bay didn't like Ben Affleck's teeth. <laughs> What? <laughs> Which is, I, apparently Michael Bay is a pretty grumpy, grumpster director. Uh, um, and when they started doing pre-filming of this movie, Ben Affleck just had normal Boston guy teeth because he wasn't like, you know, he had, you know, he wasn't quite on the meteoric rise yet. And, and, but I feel like in this movie, yeah, Michael Bay was just like, Hey man, we need to fix your teeth. And so they got him like all new caps and things like that. And it was $20,000 to fix his teeth. So yeah, his shiny pearly whites that he has until this day are because of $20,000 of the budget of Armageddon. (laughs) That is wild. Wow. Now, okay. I'm glad you brought him up again. Mike Bay, you know, Michael Bay. um, I will definitely say he's type casted himself and what he does right yeah. and that's fine you know if you're into that stuff like i do think um uh probably this was my first first film too and then of course the transformers movies which i felt were actually pretty good they had that action they had the music they had the emotional scenes but then to me there came a point where michael bay just was all action and the emotion was really a side character, like not even like an, more of like an acquaintance, like the later Transformer movies. Um, I, I don't I don't I can't remember if he's done a military movie. I don't know if he did 13 hours with uh, John Krasinski, but um, I do think there's a military movie in there that I liked that had, OK, this was real. This was gritty. This didn't have Optimus Prime in it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's good at he is good at that stuff. But when he leans in too heavy on the action, I'm like, OK. Now it's just really lunacy. You know, I do like a little bit of emotion, but I I would have to say I've done or I've seen probably a lot of Michael Bay movies because they are just summertime blockbuster Mm -hmm. hits. You know what you're getting from them. Um, But this one definitely hit more of emotional um, things are are at stake because, you know, wasn't there a movie on Netflix this past year with with Leonardo DiCaprio, his own screen pointing moment, right? Where it's like, it was called like, don't look up. Mm -hmm. And it was another similar thing, right? I don't know if it was an asteroid. I don't know, but maybe it's always an asteroid that would destroy us. But, you know, I think they were at, they came to that conclusion. There's nothing to save us. No. Uh, Yeah, there was no mission. There was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So. um, One of the more recent ones that that it was, (laughs) it was in the theaters for a brief period. And then it kind of came straight to HBO Max because it bombed horribly. It was, it was called Moon, I believe. And the, the premise was that the moon was like knocked out of orbit because of, I think there's alien, giant alien on the moon or something like that. But the whole, like, that the moon collides with Earth. Um, and then somehow we still survive as a human a humanity after that. It's like, you're like, oh, scientifically, that <laughs> this makes no sense. Um, but yeah, it was, that, I think that that was their most recent attempt at kind of like a bombastic 
popcorn lunacy Armageddon-ish movie. And they're like, oh, well, how do we how do we trump all these asteroid movies? Let's make the entire moon crash down to Earth. It was just so impractical and crazy. All I could think, I mean, sorry, that's already been done before. Thanos did it to Iron Man. He dropped a moon on him, you know, <laughs> I, and that's such a cool scene. So that, you know, someone must have been sitting in that meeting room taking, oh, you want to yeah. drop a moon? Uh, no, that, that, okay, so that's good. This leads me to my other question. Now, we've talked about end of the world movies. Where does this stack up for you from 1998 to 2023? Space space movies, astronauts, that kind of thing. Because it is a pretty... There's a lot of time on the ships and, yeah. and, and like astronaut type of stuff. Not maybe as... Um, uh, scientifically interstellar style, right. but like still pretty good. Where does this stack up with you? Because I can't remember when the Apollo 13 came out, but I mean, heavy, heavy science space kind oh, of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, we had first man, which was Ryan Gosling. We had the Martian, which was, um, Matt Damon. You even had, uh, hidden figures that, uh, with, with the, um, the the story of how uh you know african americans worked at nasa and all that like that was just just a lot of good movies about space and and that where where would where does armageddon still hold for you oh i forgot one of our other uh, another one this has to be on your list it was, it's called rocket man i, love I mean man. a great space movie so first guy to show inappropriate anger on mars uh, <laughs> harlan williams is the best i love him um <laughs> I feel like comedic wise Rocket Man will always be the pinnacle <laughs> space movie for me uh, but I think um, when it comes like to like a giant blueberry <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me um, yeah, yeah it's, I feel like that movie did such a great job too of seeing the impracticalities of uh, like hyperspace sleep <laughs> like you would just go bonkers if you had to stay awake um, yeah that's oh god that's a classic one I love that one so my wife that's her I think it might be her pinnacle comedy movie too yeah. as Rocket it's, Man. It's, it's so, so good. good. <laughs> yeah, anybody who hasn't seen it, definitely check that one out. Um did just this just become a Rocket Man episode. <laughs> we're just abandoning <laughs> we're just abandoning Armageddon. Um but no, said we have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Apollo 13 wrecker. Um but no the um the I do feel like when it comes to like action and uh dramatic sort of space movies um Weirdly, this one for me, I never quite uh, equate it to it being a space movie. Like, it, weirdly. I don't know why, even though so much time is spent in space. Um, like, I mean, because you have the whole sequences on the space station and refueling to go to the asteroid. And um, I'd say, I mean, at least a solid 45 minutes to an hour is in space. But... Um, but no, the pinnacle one for me for my whole childhood was Apollo 13 because it was yeah. true and factual, I guess, unless you're a moon denier, then it's not. <laughs> uh, they're all actors. Um, but uh, but no. Uh, there are then no I, moon deniers after that movie, The Moon, who ever saw it. They're like, <laughs> okay, I believe it now. <laughs> yeah, go tell Buzz Aldrin that you're a moon denier. He'll punch you right in the nose. <laughs> but uh, but no, the pinnacle one for me, I think, from Apollo 13 was when I saw Interstellar. Interstellar, yes. like, holds that mantle. And I think will kind of always hold that mantle, uh, unless Chris Nolan does another <laughs> space movie. Um, it was just so good. And The Martian is up there pretty darn high as well. Because, yeah. like, 
I mean, what's better than Matt Damon and Matt Damon in space? Like, you know, growing potatoes from his own poop. Um, like, you, you, when you think about the storyline, you're like, wait, that's entertaining. But it was. It was a phenomenal yeah. movie. Yeah. I, I And I agree with you. Like, it took me through the rewatch to wrap my head around that my own question of, like, the space aspect of this and, and the ship and the training. I think we view it in a different lens because when I think of Interstellar and I think of The Martian, I think of... Just the colors that were used differently, a lot of silver and sleek and almost dull. When I think of Armageddon, I remember just seeing a lot of lights and switches and greens and blues and more, would you say, cartoony and over the top? Yeah. Like, this is going to stand out. Interstellar, the ship, was very much like space. Dark, yeah. dead, and cold, right? Mm -hmm. And and the Martian really wa was more realistic, too, and like... Um, the tarps and the things he used for his garden and stuff like that. It was just more felt more real. But um, yeah, I would say, I would say, I don't know if I, no pun intended, seek out space movies, but I definitely look forward to them, especially when they have a really good cast or a really good director. I mean, I know Interstellar was his next big one after the dark Knight rises. I think he had, he had just put to bed all the, the Batman stuff and, I remember like, oh, Matthew McConaughey. Wow, what are we going to get here? And I've now, Interstellar is just uh, must-see movie yeah. kind of. And like you can't turn it off once you get it started. I mean, it's just so good. I felt the same way about The Martian. And I do feel that same way about like Armageddon. Like if one of those late nights, Armag okay, Armageddon's probably definitely now at that point of TNT, TBS, you know, it could be kind of just rotating on a cable channel. You're in a hotel. Oh, look, Armageddon's on, right? Yeah. Um, like, it's just you're gonna you're 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 gonna just can turn your brain off a little bit and yeah. just sit back and enjoy that and and get a lot from it. Still, I do think like The Martian and Elstar and Apollo 13 have um, a little more weight uh, to them. Uh, it's funny the that you mentioned that because like when I searched Armageddon just to find the year and some movie facts, the very first thing in the Google listing was the cable lineup of where it's oh. currently showing. And it was just this giant <laughs> grid of like it's on every station. <laughs> like it's just syndicated beyond syndication. Yeah. <laughs> if there is a word, though, I'm going to lose a spelling bee in, it's Armageddon. Oh, like, for sure. I can then, I just. How I'm many like, D's? How many G's? How many. <laughs> So like, I, just, I think of it on the cable listing on the TV guide and the channel. Is that so a thing? The TV guide channel. Uh, but like arm, it would have to have been cut off. There's yeah. no way they're fitting that whole word on there. Now, one thing I, I did fail to mention about uh, end of the, I did love a movie called war of the worlds, but that was a little bit later, mm. Tom Cruise. Right. And you hit something really good too. Like, yeah, we like these, we it's, it must be a comforting thing because we're watching it from our couch or in your case, your car. But like that the world is any, but we're like not we're not. We can enjoy viewing it. Right. Um, but there is something fun about space movies. End of the world. They're they're definitely escape style. They're definitely thrill seeking. They're fun. And then they do ask like like thought provoking questions like. What would you do if the world was ending? I, I did like how I think it was Don't Look Up that they kind of had they, they they got their personal lives, you know, and, and, and shared some great moments. But like, yeah, would would this plan? I love the way the science guy in the meetings, the way he describes it, he, he basically pooped on that other guy and was like, he got a C in astrophysics. You really want him or whatever? Mm -hmm. Like the way he describes it, you know, you put a firecracker 
on um, the outside or whatever, but then if you put it on the inside, what he says, like, you'll be eating out of a can with a straw yeah, or something Yeah, but if like you that. hold it just with your palm open, you'll yeah. get a little burn, but if you close your fist, yeah, <laughs> your and hand's it, gone. And then you start thinking about it, like, oh, okay, from the inside. Yeah. It, it does make sense, but, yeah, I, I just love all, that. All space movies have to have that, because even Interstellar, <laughs> when they explain the wormhole, it's like, let's grab an 8 by 10 sheet of paper, let's poke yeah. a hole in it. <laughs> like, they have got to make the audience understand this process, yeah. <laughs> and the sub guy 80 years ago was having his Leonardo moment, like, I did that, we poked a hole through a paper, because that's all we had. Had. We just didn't have the technology to follow to follow any uh, anything else on it. But um, yeah, I, I just love the just the piecing of this together of getting them together. I love the training. You always have to have. I love their like what is it? Almost like their psychology tests and things mm-hmm. like that. And I love that the 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 big dude who's like, oh, we had haggis, and I had never. I didn't. You know. And then it's like. Everything boiled inside the sheep's stomach and all mm-hmm. that. Have you, did you, no. was your next day animal crackers and haggis at the park? <laughs> or no. have you ever, I've seen haggis on menus. I've yeah. just never had it. And I don't think I ever will. If I can't have Vienna sausage, I don't think I'm going to have haggis. No, definitely not. Yeah. But I feel like even somebody who is like Irish and Scottish, like you would think that that would be part of my DNA. <laughs> it is not. That's not anything that involves an animal's like organ, I'm just like, ah, uh-uh. like that's just like you're, you put what in the stomach? Yeah, that's just Ugh. so disgusting to me. Yeah. So you get a lot with this movie. You get a lot of fun characters. You get a lot of emotional stuff. I have to say there are there are certain movies that make me rewatch certain things. I think I talked about this with Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I rewatched the scene with Sean Connery and Harrison Ford and them hugging. Um, I rewatch the Back to the Future 2 scene where Marty burns the book. Those are both memorable scenes. They're triumphant scenes to me that I literally will skip to and watch and feel good. It just takes like 10 seconds and boom. This movie does give me that scene. And it's, 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 I, I guess what the kids would say, it's like my hype scene. It's my confidence scene. Do you, I, do you know which scene I'm talking about? I would assume it's this the suit up scene when they're actually walking on the tarmac to the spaceship. You give me that kind of music, mm-hmm. the president speech in the background, yeah, and then that slow walk with the camera lights and just that's that's oh man, alive that walk. And they're all suited up and the music gets louder. And then when the president drops that line after all the accolades and all the highlights and goes, and that is our courage. I could lift a car off another car. Like, I mean, that is just the one of the best hype scenes. Like, I watch it. I finish the movie, and I still skip back to that three more times because it's just so, so good and so well done to really kick this off of what could be their last mission of, of, of humanity. Not even mm-hmm. just them. Like, if this fails, yes, they die. But we all die, and it, like... The president is, I don't know if that was, um, he was meant to look like like a certain president, mm-hmm. um, uh, maybe a, not Nixon, but I don't know. But I just thought his speech and his delivery and the word, whoever wrote that should be writing speeches for when we do have a catastrophe, because that's what we need to hear. Yeah. And if it doesn't happen, then I'm going to turn the actual news off and just play that scene. And I'm going <laughs> to, what do those people say? Like, I'm going to tell my kids this was that. I will tell my kids this is this was our end of the world <laughs> speech. But I mean, is this a? Do you have moments like that where you watch scenes that just 
just really hammer it home for you, you know? And is this one of them? Yeah, this is a this is a pinnacle hype scene for sure. But the, it's funny that you you brought this up because I'll tell you what, you're missing out on one of the best. If you think this presidential hype oh, no, speech Independence Day. <laughs> Independence Day with Bill Pullman is the pinnacle one. So you're sitting here talking about how great Armageddon is. All of us Independence Day people are sitting back and be like, uh-huh, no, but that's not Bill Pullman's speech. <laughs> like, <laughs> because he, the cool factor is times a thousand. Instead of okay. it just being this presidential speech of a guy that I agree does look like a Richard Nixon knockoff. You have Bill Pullman, who is an officer in, I think, in the Navy. So he is a naval pilot who is retired and is now the president of the United States during an alien invasion. And instead of sitting behind a podium, he's on the tarmac, Tom Cruise Maverick style, oh. with the bullhorn, giving a speech saying, this is our Independence Day. This is like, and, and that he's truly hopping in that cockpit and he's going to shoot down a hundred different aliens. It okay. is sick. It is the coolest thing ever. And um, yeah, I guarantee you the reign that you have of this for Armageddon would instantly be second place. The second. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I really will get myself to watch it. I have what, two weeks because July 4th coming up. So it's like, okay, David, you have it. You know, now his that's a, a Bill Pullman. I obviously think of um, while you were sleeping. Mm -hmm. I think of another movie he did with Ellen DeGeneres. Like they were, I think, married. Yeah, um, what was that called? And it was exactly yeah, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, um, but then of course Casper. You yeah. know, um, but Space he's. Balls. See, I oh boy, I know anyone oh, he's on a roll. He's on a roll. I haven't seen Space Dolls <laughs> yet. I haven't seen Ghostbusters two yet. I own. A, I do think I own Spaceballs, um, but I, I I do love Rick Moranis, but it was definitely Honey, I Shrunk. I, I imagine the title, anything <laughs> anything with the word balls in it, probably <laughs> was not, you know, oh, you've never seen, uh, well, Space Jam, I guess is, thank God that it wasn't Space, uh, and then Space uh, uh, Ball, but yeah, um, okay, I will be getting Independence Day on the list. You know, talk about if you had to build your own team like this. You've said Independence Day, so Will Smith comes to mind. You just mentioned Top Gun, so Tom Cruise comes to mind. Who would you pick to be your, like, let's just give you four people, maybe five, and if you want, maybe just three, but three three to five, let me just say, three <laughs> to five people. Uh, <laughs> um, who you would pick to be your your team of your main, your main people? Mm. But you have I, to throw in like a Steve Buscemi style person to that. Because he true. is still, you need someone who's going to shoot the heck out of things that is and true. Uh, risk it all. Um, yeah, he goes a little space crazy. Which was that, the funny thing, that was another thing that I found out is that when somebody, there is a NASA protocol, when somebody loses their mind in space like Steve oh. Buscemi did, you do duct tape them to a chair. <laughs> like that's a, So they have duct tape on board. Going back to the basics. That's what <laughs> yeah. I do with parenting. I mean, you're going space crazy right now. You're getting duct taped. <laughs> That was the reason they invented duct tape was for space crazy. Um, but no, I would have to just because of my love for Apollo 13. I think my main, the main leader, the main pilot would have to be Tom Hanks. Okay. Him, when he played Jim Lovell and the, like he just, he was so commanding, but so real. And so I don't know, like he's the type of pilot I would get behind. So it's like the level headedness 
of a Tom Hanks in Apollo 13, I feel like would have to be the pilot. The crazy person is that you throw me some Nick Cage in there. You throw me crazy oh. Nick Cage, you know, who's a little off the wagon, little, but like at the same time as skilled at what he does, but when he goes crazy, we know, you know, he goes Nick, C- Nick Cage crazy. <laughs> he goes um, Nick crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Nick crazy. Um, and uh, I kind of feel like you also, similar to Michael Clark Duncan in this movie, you need some big burly guy that's in yes. there too. That's like the muscle of the, the, the movie. Um, so I'm trying to think of who would be somebody that maybe wasn't in a space movie of that era that would have been cool to see. Because I know Nick Cage, never, I don't remember him being in any space movies. No. It's like, I do. I need to see some Nick Cage in space. Um, hmm. Let me see. And well, you're looking guess, for a bigger dude? Would you yeah. Would you go with like a Dolph Lundgren or someone like that? Uh, that could be pretty cool. Yeah. See a guy who's like six foot six cram himself into a spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see it. Yeah, maybe he is like the cooler version of we get the we get the Russian cosmonaut in this who's gone full blown space crazy and is yes. hitting things with a wrench. Yeah, maybe give us a big flat top Russian a hardcore Ivan Drago style <laughs> cosmonaut. Uh, yeah, I could get behind that. So I think yeah, that'd be my <laughs> what what kind of movie would this be? Tom Hanks, Nick Cage, and Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> but then let's say Space Dolph, crazy. Dolph Lund- 2023. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Dolph Lundgren is picked though. Let's say he draws a sword straw and he doesn't have a daughter, but they just live cast him to the world, right? <laughs> and it just his final words are if we die, we die. And NASA's like, no, no, no. You have to save us. It's not like that, Dolph. No. There's, there's a scene when he's on Earth and he's staring up at the asteroid and he's just like, I must break you. <laughs> From Mother oh. Russia. <laughs> I, I think Dolph, yeah. Was Dolph in any space movies? Or has he been? Not I can't think of any. He is a scientist, right? He's a doctor. Yeah, like he's like a chemist and has a couple other. Yeah, he's a brilliant dude. Um, I guess if you may, if you kind of consider Masters of the Universe, it's it's more of like traveling between oh, galaxies. Right. There's no spaceships and stuff like that. But yeah, it's pretty much ninety minutes of him in a loincloth with a sword and like it's just, so i guess it's kind of a space movie but not technically like how we're framing armageddon or interstellar or apollo 13 but i think he now that i think about it yeah with his science background he could probably actually pull off uh, a role like this i think i do love seeing him do the sciencey stuff and even action movies now because it's so just out of character because of the way he looks physically but um i love that you went with tom hanks as a leader as that guy because i totally see it um and i'm looking here i'm kind of torn because i think we have so many great options and if we're sticking with like a 90s style guy i mean when i think of a leader i i could go weirdly i went i went like harrison ford but harrison ford now shrinking old older Harrison Ford 80 what did you say he's 87 um he just turned 80 the um oh gosh I'm sorry Mr. Uh, Ford Jack Jack Nicholson is 86 that was okay I don't want Jack Jack Nicholson (laughs) space space crazy earth crazy we don't need him in space (laughs) he would be funny though to watch him like you know 
Did you ever dance at the time? <laughs> no, no. Um, well, okay, Keaton. Could Keaton be a... Keaton in space would be fantastic. I could see Keaton in space, yeah. He's the leader. He's got that look, right? Um, um, Is it bad that I almost said I, I can't remember a space movie that Harrison Ford was in and then I stopped? <laughs> it's like, he's in Star Wars, you moron. <laughs> <laughs> He's only in the space movie of all time, <laughs> but uh, Star Wars. <laughs> Mel Gibson as a leader. Ooh, right. Mel Gibson in a space movie. That I mean, that cool. that's been pretty cool. And then I thought Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, this list of '90s action stars. We really were spoiled, right? Um, uh, but then, so Harrison Ford. But maybe like Last Mission, Harrison Ford. Um, but then I had this thought. Go with me on this one. Try sticking with Nick Cage and the 90s style. What if we didn't go Nick Cage? John Travolta. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like in Nick really Cage in a up. space movie and they swap faces. <laughs> <laughs> space, space face off. Space, face off. Say it three times fast. Uh, in Sean Connery's S's with space, face off. But yeah, uh, maybe Wesley Snipes. Um, maybe, maybe does, was Denzel ever in space? I don't, I don't know. Oh, you know, yeah. there's a lot of actors who haven't done space movies, and for a while there, with Interstellar taking off, no pun intended, um, but you know, becoming huge. Like, I wondered if other actors would be doing space movies. Um, uh, but then I did think of one we failed to mention, but um, it's not their ticket to paradise. It's actually really bad for George Clooney, but that movie with him and Sandra Bullock. Gravity, um, yeah. Gravity. You know, that's another huge space movie where I won't lie. I did not love it at first, Mm -hmm. but then it did grow on me. And then I really like stopped to watch the cinematic beauty of it. So, you know, um, if I had to think of um, maybe like a female uh, lead, I really love... um, Oh man, her la- her last name's Adams, Amy Adams. Because mm-hmm. um, after seeing Arrival, another yeah. incredible like on the ground alien could potentially yeah. be end of the Earth movie. I think she'd be a fantastic person in a space movie. And now here we go. This is just, I mean, how ca- if we're now talking aliens and space and life, probably one of the greatest of all time, Mars Attacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just. Man, alive. That was great. So was Michael J. Fox. Could he be in space? I mean, Christopher Lloyd. Mm, a lot of yeah. options. A lot he of could, options. He could be a. He could be like your main leader pilot, or he could be the main pilot that goes space crazy. I could see him pulling off space crazy. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe he's the Billy Bob Thornton. He is mm. the one in charge. And like, I think if we were given him, if Christopher Lloyd was given the opportunity to do a dramatic dialogue delivery mm-hmm. about, you know, I, I would be all for it because I think you do. I think he would do great. Jason Statham would have to be one of the astronauts. You need a Jason Statham to just be your climb on the Meg and mm-hmm. bring down the shark kind of guy, right? You like to, you, somebody to roundhouse kick the alien. <laughs> yeah, you, yes, exactly. You need the guy who's gonna just be like either. Hold on, let me just set down my beer. Like, yeah. hey, we're in our meeting right now. Why do you even have your beer? You're like, come on. You know, you need that guy. So Jason Statham would be one. And then, I mean, just a laundry list of other people I said, you know. But I do if think I it's to... funny that David tells me three to five and then he lists 40. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyone who's listened to our episodes about our top picks. So these are my honorable mentions. These are the ones I really liked that didn't get mentioned. Um, yeah, there's just so many. Liam Neeson in space. Mm. I look at your poster behind you, 
Chris Evans, I mean, mm-hmm. the leader of the team could, you know, there's just a lot of options, but we yeah. were really, um, maybe they'll make a, could, could another Armageddon be, um, viable today? You know, another style like this? I totally think so. Yeah, I think so too. I think especially with the amount of sequels that Michael Bay has done with Transformers, <laughs> you might as well make Amazon Armageddon 13. Um, <laughs> Like it, uh, I, I could, I could definitely, I could definitely see another, uh, version of it with, um, with kind of a ragtag team of more modern day, uh, actors could be pretty cool. Um, yeah. I'm not going to list another 30 of them. I could, (laughs) but I will not. (laughs) I mean, you've got a poster behind you that could, I mean, a lot of those people could fit the bill of a space movie. I mean, yeah. And essentially, I mean, that, that is, that is a space. <laughs> yeah. like, it's a whole space crew that like is, you know, trying to solve the end of the world. <laughs> like, it's, they, it's, that's Armageddon. They had the slow walk. Remember yeah. when they got their new suits in Endgame and they, you get that. If you don't have a great suit up or a great walk scene, are you even trying? Like, yeah, that is a form of flattery and des- that deserves to be copied because like that is what people want to see. Well, and the funny thing is, is, I think some people don't realize that the origin of that is from a movie in, I think, the 70s. It might be the 60s. I thought but, you were going to um, say Independence Day. So don't you say <laughs> Independence Day? No, it's called The Right Stuff. It's a oh. it's an actual like biopic sort of movie about the Gemini missions. So like pre-Apollo missions. So it's like when they would launch them up in space and they would just orbit once or launch them up and come back down. So like the era of John Glenn, you know, guys like mm. that that were actual American astronauts. But it had Ed Harris in it and a whole bunch of other actors of that era. And in that movie, and it's the cover of the VHS too, is them all suited up in their Gemini gear, walking the tarmac towards the screen. They okay. established that shot. Um, it's just all of these other people then took it and applied it to the grandness of a Michael Bay soundtrack and the grandness <laughs> of explosions and a, a, a cool presidential speech. Um, so yeah, they just made it more epic. But yeah, the right stuff is who they're all stealing that from. Anytime you see action movies that they're walking as a crew towards the screen, it's it's an homage to that movie. I'm going to have to go back and check that out because I think that's that's fascinating because I, I did not know that. And I would love to see the first of that because it, it's just like I said, it's what I look for for these types of movies. You need the suit up. You need the slow walk. You need that music. Um, you need just this grand, grand it's it's like wrestling, right? It's a grand entry for the people, uh, the heroes that you want to see. So okay, and it's called the right stuff. Now Ed Harris was in Apollo thirteen, um, if I'm if I'm thinking yeah. correctly. Yeah, um, he was like the on the ground NASA commander. Um, yeah, well, and, and I feel like we get a little bit of a glimpse of him as a. Did you ever see the James Cameron movie, The Abyss? Probably not. I haven't. No. Uh, the Abyss essentially is it good. Is, is it a real good Cameron it's, movie? It's a super good Cameron movie. Okay. Uh, but apparently, it's like the worst movie Ed Harris was ever part of because he almost oh. he almost drowned multiple times because oh, it's like it was predominantly filmed underwater. And it's it's funny when you watch The Abyss, it feels like a space movie. It feels like how Armageddon feels, but it's deep sea. Like it's them going in deep sea. So it's the darkness and everything of space, but they're underwater. And um, yeah, James, James Cameron 
like he typically does, he wants to film things straight in in camera. And he, no matter what, if, if you're going to drown the lead star, he's going to get the shot. <laughs> like he's going to do it. <laughs> there is, he's just but, whispering. But Ed him, Harris specifically, no I mean, this was like early 80s. He's like, I will never work with James Cameron again. And he never has. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. my gosh. Wow. Was this pre-Titanic? Because oh, yeah. this James Cameron, must that must be his thing. We describe Michael Bay in this movie as his yeah. stuff. He just loves water shots, I guess, because yeah. Yeah. I mean, now I'm glad he got to self-title Avatar The Way of Water. It's probably what he's been my <laughs> I've been working for this moment to just title it to put water in there. It's like we know, we know you've been wanting that. Wow. The Abyss. OK, that just that just sounds terrifying because I it hate is. there's very anxiety stuff. inducing parts of that movie. Yeah. And this movie has some scary stuff, too. But I think there was some like level of um, like you were able to be whimsical or, or have disbelief because you're in space. And, and I, like I said, it, 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 there, well, it didn't look quite real all the time. Um, but I will say when that first independence ship goes down, that was some scary stuff because yeah. you're basically <laughs> seeing like, you're seeing the aftermath and, and Bruce Willis was like, is that independence? And then that body hits the, their ship. And like, yeah. you know, the way that they, they recorded the, 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 the uh, particles flying through the ship and hitting the bodies. And I mean, that was pretty brutal. That, yeah. that, that turned this mission, this movie real quick into, okay, mm -hmm. this is real. You all had your fun, but now you just lost Owen Wilson. You, um, you lost some other people, but like, you know, what's weird is the wedding scene at the end, spoiler alert, I guess that Ben Affleck, um, survives and gets married. But like, I always thought the death count was higher but the crew, but then they, they put the, it's her dad, it's Owen Wilson. It's uh, the guy who he tag us. And then said that other Smohawk. Um, <laughs> I always thought it was more than that. Well, um, was, there was a lot of just the boring NASA astronauts who died. That's okay. The they that's didn't make the cut. <laughs> no, they, they weren't part of the family. So their photos aren't up there. Who <laughs> was that yeah. Smohawk that was part of the family? <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to have your photo represent the rest of the other astronauts. <laughs> yeah. You, I feel like it would have made more sense that you had these giant poster prints of them at the wedding. And then this little eight and a half by 11 printed off of a printer sheet. <laughs> Of just the people who were like an afterthought, but it was that whole, it's funny how they planned this movie that it's like they needed to sacrifice a whole other ship to up the stakes. And yeah. the vast majority of people on that ship were the NASA astronauts. Yes. <laughs> and, and I will say, I'd rather be astronaut number three, mom, mom, I'm astronaut number three, than Nazi number three. True. So, true. you know, and, and Scott, we're watching it. She goes, did, did they all just die? And it's like, you know they didn't just kill Ben Affleck. Like, what are you saying? You know, um, yeah. yeah somehow he makes it into the giant, huge vehicle and lands on the surface perfectly fine. Yeah, <laughs> they're just rolling on in. As you know, hey, we're here. I, yeah. I'd love though that that is. I mean, you're you're drilling a, a hole and and uh, gonna put a firework in there, and it's just it's just so great. The the I I loved rewatching the Van Affleck jump the the um the tumbler I guess I'll call mm -hmm. it um just some and you know Michael Clark Duncan you know man alive rest in peace to him as well um, yeah he was in a lot of movies you know I mean I mean the Green Mile is, is yeah, just Green what it Mile's is phenomenal. and then you know Scorpion King but whole he, nine whole nine yards whole nine funny. yards yeah. he had like a I never met the man but I met he just always seemed like a gentle giant yeah. 
um, uh, and just his voice and the way he carried himself. Um, but yeah, he he always delivers emotionally. Um, even at the end of this one, he is one of the uh, uh, survivors. I mean, yeah, what a I, I did love them coming together, and um, you just see their love and support for each other you get that really great you know emotional scene at the end but you know what is wild we'll talk about that but you know what is wild is i always like the the intensity moment of the bombing um started mm. you know because they like we got to just do this we got to just do this you know and like <sighs> you just you're where'd you get a gun in space you know like it's a wild moment for yeah. you know you're because he's got a wrench and that William Fincher's got a gun and he's like we got it this thing's ticking and then of course you get William Finchner and that other dude disassembling this bomb and I literally turn my mouth like they can do this but they couldn't teach him how to drill there's so many things where I'm like yeah. come on but you know thank god he picked the blue wire because mm -hmm. uh just wow but I just thought that I always forget with I guess what I'm going with this this movie has so many intense moments that you yeah. forget even in that one like holy cow yeah like, this is a wild space ride well and then because even within minutes of that the sequence of them drilling trying to get to the different depth and you have the haggis guy being like trying to drop it down like you can do it and then you see the flashes of the gas exploding and when he's like i think he's yells he's like i'm burning up in here like it's that's a real intense scene and then he just gets launched yeah in the space but then yeah it's like i saw somebody say recently it's a new term called plot armor where it's like you have the convenience of characters who don't die, like Ben Affleck, that they make it to the they make it to the ground of the asteroid, and then they show up with the 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 tumbler. I feel like is a perfect way to put it. It's very much <laughs> like the tumbler. But I when think they, they called it the lame the armadillo yeah something Come like on. that yeah. but like when they magically show up on the horizon of the asteroid it's like that's plot armor that you've yeah. built in this plot armor in order to make the movie work but it's just even then when you have ben affleck um now he's in the pilot seat of that armadillo and he's drilling and you're experiencing the same flashes the same explosions and he's yeah. like trust me harry i can do this i can do this the computer's lying i know what's what's happening again also plot armor it's like haggis guy was doing the same thing he's yeah. launched into space he's thousands of miles away now <laughs> but ben affleck does it and it works <laughs> but it's it was an intense scene for sure yeah yeah i remember that was where it was like you're not you're not like gonna this is not gonna be easy because that drill gets demolished and and he's like we've we've seen this before we've seen a drill demolished and chick goes not after 10 feet you know yeah. like this and you gotta go i think he's gotta hit 800 feet yeah and so you're just like this this is something else for sure i mean and it's not something they could have because because um uh, Steve Buscemi's character, who I love, he gets his moment because he's like, you overshot the landing by 26, this and that. We're here, we're on my way. And, and, and William Fitch is like, how did you, Willie Sharp, how did you know that? Like, I love when characters get their, like, their due. Because, yeah. yeah, so let's be fair, he's a, he's space crazy. Yeah. But he knows his stuff, and I did dig that. Um, uh, wildly, I, I must have blocked this term in my mind. This, again, goes back to my prude brain. But, like, I always forget the strip club stuff. Mm. I, I like I'll, the movie doesn't 
in my brain start there because I just, it just doesn't, I don't know mm -hmm. why the Molly mouths and all that. Um, but it's just so funny how, like what we take away from, from these movies. Um, in my head though, Determinator, it's only the making of John Connor. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just love that they got their, um, I guess they're paid due in some of these scenes and uh, showed why they were picked though. We're not just some dumb oil drillers, you know, we, we know what we're doing, but, when you first saw that drill bit get pulled up like that, it was like, oh my gosh, here we go. But yeah, the the the, the what'd you call it? Plot armor is is great. I'm gonna have to go back and look at other movies that give us that plot armor. Um, because immediately you you think, all right, he's about to go have all the haggis in the sky he wants. He's done and gone. <laughs> but the mission the mission must continue. I would love to know if Owen Wilson, when this was being written or whatever, and he signed on, I guess this is 98. So he wasn't like the Owen Wilson we know no. now. Yeah. Right? He wasn't his own star vehicle. But like, you just wonder, well, did he know he was signing on for dying like right before it actually got started? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, and who? how would they go about picking someone who has to, who does have to take that? Because you just you just wonder like with all the, uh, he knows i mean he would have benefited he would have been great in mm -hmm. this whole movie yeah someone had to go though to yeah. really realize this is heavy it, it is interesting because there's it, there's a lot of huge actors that have roles like that in huge movies like this owen wilson's the perfect example but um saving private ryan oh, in yeah. tom hanks's crew his platoon is is a young vin diesel and a yeah. young Vince Vaughn, and they're both just like sniper cannon fodder. <laughs> yeah. Like they just die along the way. But it's nuts to think like Vince Vaughn and the level of like Vin Diesel were also just they, their Hollywood career arc was going through being <laughs> just people who died in like and that you didn't care the schmoes at the end of the movie that you don't care about. Yeah. It's it's you wonder if Ed Diesel was like doing this and I'm gonna be really serious and I'm gonna do these war movies and I'm gonna learn from Tom Hanks uh -huh. and then someone throws a script down and it just says ride or die family <laughs> ten second car okay I'm in I'll be doing these for the rest of my life yes, I mean yeah. oh my gosh that's just pretty wild and yeah like you said Vince Vaughn you know what's wild to me is with Vince Vaughn. I guess it's wild to me because I don't really like this movie, but like, it's crazy to me that he's in Jurassic Park too. Yeah. Um, it's, random. it's just, you know, what is that? That's lost city, right? Mm -hmm. Um, just, just insane. Uh, because I don't ever think of him in the Jurassic Park franchise, No, no. but yeah. lost city is also temple of doom for me. Like mm -hmm. I just did not care for yeah. that, that sequel. Um, I, I just don't like it, but no, and then I, I, without even thinking of Saving Private Ryan, yeah, I, I forgot about Vince Vaughn. I yeah. remember Vin Diesel, but yeah, that's just wild. But I, I was like, Owen Wilson is in this, but not, not for very, very long. But you know, it's just a fantastic movie, and it's I, I will not lie to you. I, I cry and I tear up every time we get the draw straw scene because. Mm -hmm. I just, I just know now um, the emotions of both Ben Affleck and Bruce Willis um, because I've now 
been in both roles, right? I've been the boyfriend. Now I'm the dad. And when Ben draws that straw and Bruce Willis is like, you just know, and it's, you know, immediately in his head, he's already made the decision of what he's going to have to do. Yes. Um, and the other guys feel for him. And uh, you just like young David, high school, David, probably maybe I did get it emotionally, intelligently. Like I did get the weight of it, but like Ben has is, is now lowered down with Bruce, but like, He's the last people he's ever going to see again. Yeah. And there's not really a goodbye. It's almost better that it's silent. What are you going to mm-hmm. say to this kid? You know, and I love Ben. Ben has such a great delivery of, well, we all got to die somehow. I guess I'm the guy who gets to go out saving the world. Like you see, you see a glimpse of Bruce Wayne and Batman yeah. and Goodwill Hunting and everything Ben is good at doing, like kind of the cocky white guy. Mm-hmm. You see him do that in such a good way, though. But it, you also see it come off as like, thank you. Because, mm-hmm. Like we're saying thank you to him because he's about to go save us. So you can go ahead and be that way. He's so good at doing that character. Yeah. Um, but like, I loved, I just, I loved how there was no, nothing really spoken, just looks of thank you and just like, all right. And then I'm not gonna lie, tear up a ball because it's like, this my job. Your job's go, you know, take care of my little girl now. Because that, now I get that part. I yeah. get about what Bruce, you know, and like the fact that, you know, he gets that last communication with Liv Tyler, his daughter, and he says those words, man, I wish I could have walked you down the aisle. Mm. Like, it's just, you know, you know, I, I don't, you know, not sure if I've shared this before, but like that was one of my, I went to a wedding for a friend in, you know, in Ohio and uh, the dad walked her down the aisle and I was sitting there just thinking, like, I want to be able to do that for my daughter, mm-hmm. um, for both my daughters. And uh, and I was like, it just was a really like an, another kickoff of like the changes I want to make so I can be around, be around for that. And so then the, you get this movie, Bruce Willis wishing he could do that. But he knows if I don't make this decision, a young kid's never going to get to live his life. My daughter's not going to have her life. Right. He really sacrificed everything, but mm-hmm. not just for earth, but for, for, I mean, it's a really hard thing to say, like, I've lived my life. You need to go live yours now. Right. You know? Right. And, and, um, I love, I love Chick's response that crazy stuff. You know, it's just like, it's just like, I don't know, man. They really, through all the popcorn lunacy, they really wrote that segment in such a beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful way. Mind you, while all the explosions are going down, like, it's just crazy. Yeah. Does that moment give you the feels? It does. It did. I feel like it did even when I saw it when I was 13. Like, I feel like it was a very dramatic, very well done scene. And I agree with you through all the chaos of a Michael Bay film. It is a beautiful, dramatic sequence. Um, If you say, but the end of Independence Day, you really know. (laughs) (laughs) No, Independence Day doesn't have that. I I won't give it that credit. Um, It's got the great presidential speech, but there's not emotion in it. Um, But the... um, I think I, I think not only is the sequence, like you said, between Ben and Bruce, absolutely phenomenal and very well done. And you can understand the connection between them and between two guys. If you think about it, it's just 90 minutes prior. He's trying to shoot him with a shotgun on the oil rig. Like (laughs) again, we're introduced to these guys of like it's them. We're they're the best oil drillers. (laughs) But it's just interesting to see a guy that's like 
it's a beautiful character arc that at the beginning of this movie doesn't trust him to take care of his girl, Gracie. And yeah. he's like, oh, you're not good enough. You're just a punk kid on an oil rig. But then he realizes through <laughs> being on an asteroid and trying to save the world together, he's also a punk. He was once a punk kid on an oil rig too. Yeah. Like, So she's Gracie's marrying him, just a different version of him. Like, yeah. So she found the best companion and I think that that's what's cool is as much as he knows, Gracie, yeah, I won't get to walk you down the aisle, but I'm handing you to a guy that I know through this crazy experience is every part of who I am and better in an extent than what he could be. Um, but I know like one of the coolest things, because I think you have the raw emotion of that, like you said, that then pivots into when he's looking at the screen, just thinking about it, acting being able to sit there and probably act with Ben, Bruce, like with Ben, seeing another person be emotional and cry can trigger your emotion too. It, like, yeah. and, and I would assume make it easier to do a scene like that. But for Bruce to sit there and look at a, a webcam, like Zoom style, getting to say goodbye to his his daughter and not see her and yeah. and not truly get a goodbye... I saw a behind the scenes thing that he was able to make that so emotional because while he was doing it, he had photos of his daughters on the screen, like mm. his own daughters and was thinking, if this is my final goodbye to my own daughters, how would I do it? Wow. And that's why you get to see a masterclass from Bruce Willis is because he was saying it from a father, a real father perspective, um, yeah. which is super cool. Like um, very memorable scene for him doing that. Yeah. I would have loved, you know, because with COVID, we've all done the Zoom calls. This is a Zoom podcast. Like we've 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 adapted. Gosh, Scout and I's relationship started long distance. Really, um, I would have loved though a couple of humor moments, right? Like he's doing his speech, and then all of a sudden you just, uh, Bruce, you're on mute. You know, oh <laughs> darn it! And then like at the end of it, when Bruce gets up, he's not wearing any pants. Like you know, just classic <laughs> Zoom. Um, or he's yeah. sitting there giving an emotional speech, and Liv Tyler sitting there with a frozen. And there's a buffering wheel. <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton's resetting the router at NASA. <laughs> right. like, Give me a second, we're resetting the router. <laughs> I would love if NASA does have issues like that in real life. Actually, I don't know if I'd love it. But it would that's, terrify me. That's but, what Apollo 13 was. Like, <laughs> like they do have real issues, and that what, was. Apollo 13. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny though if you're like, oh, you can't, our download speeds in here is terrible. You have to go outside. And you're like, this is the NASA building. What are you talking about? The Wi Fi is bad, you know? Um, uh, or if there, what it was, NASA's Wi Fi uh, password, you know, Houston, we have a problem. I don't know. It's just, it's just I wonder how it's like there. But um, yeah, it is, you know, that's another thing. He goes, I always looked looked at you as a son. I'd be damn proud, though, to have you marry my daughter. Like, it was just, um, you know, and I think you see the selflessness, too. Let's not get lost here. Like, Ben Affleck did not complain. He did not pass a straw to someone else. Yeah. He just took it and was like, I'm going to do that. And I think that's when Bruce really did, again, everything you talked about. And that was, like, the final, like, this is a selfless guy. I, I love him. I always have. But I, you also can't, like... Dude, you try to date my daughter, you know? He it's he like he was that nine, 90s father, right? Mm -hmm. Of like I'm going to be kind of uh, you know, shoot you with a shotgun. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I guess that when I say it like that, like I'm saying it like he sees it was the nineties. It's okay. He's trying to kill him. Yeah. Um, I, then you hear yourself like, oh wait, he probably should have shot. But should you be shooting things on an oil rig? Probably um, not. It sounds not. like a BP. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's a BP's handbook. Guns <laughs> are allowed. Uh, but yeah, I just thought it was beautiful, and and he he give make sure Truman gets gets this because you know Billy Bob Thornton's what he always wanted to do. And now he's on the ground. Like he was never going to be the astronaut. And so he's like, give him my patch. And I love that is something now old man, David would love to have that patch Mm -hmm. because of the colors on it. And that it says for all mankind, like it's just a really, really cool, uh, item. Have you ever looked for that? Is that a, a collector's thing? I you think? bet you it exists. It's I got like Etsy, a, right? Yeah. Someone has that made it. There's a patch for everything. Because I feel like you can buy like the patch for the name of the ship for the movie Aliens. Like you can buy, like there's everything. So I wouldn't be surprised if that exists. Yeah. Yeah. See, I should have been, uh, that's with all my leather, with all my leather, leather jackets <laughs> and with all everything I wore, I never had a lot of patches on mm-hmm. things, you know, that would have been uh, um, too, too much, I guess. But I would have loved, loved to see that patch. And then, you know, you, you know, what's wild, though, is the movie's not over. Yeah. Like they give you another 20 minutes of like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, what is happening here? Like, right. you know, and, and you get some great scenes of, you know, uh, of them maybe wanting to turn back. And then that, that's where my boy Chick is like, you know, he, he let him press, you know, he'll do it. Like he, he his three line yelling is so great. And then, you know, Bru- uh, Ben says he'll never he doesn't know how to fail. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know. It's just great. Even Willie Sharp gets his moments of like, we'll turn back, we'll do it ourselves. And, and you know, humanity's at stake here. It's, it is the mission. And mm-hmm. that is what I do love about that character. Like, above all, it's the mission. And, yeah. You know, um, but uh, just uh, uh, probably my first and maybe my own, uh, only glimpse of like a character having those last what do you call them? Those last seconds before you die? Yeah, like life um, flashing before your eyes. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Um, I've never seen that before. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's always intriguing to me when you think of death and what that would look like. And I thought that was pretty cool and, yeah. and quick and and very uh, pure, mm-hmm. I would say, because of the white and the glimpses of that. Um, had you seen a scene like that before? And can you think of other scenes like that, of the light moments flashing mm-hmm. for you? What did you call it? <laughs> Life flashing before your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I don't think one specifically in the moment where somebody is dying. I can think of it. It's like because I do feel like there are sequences where I feel like you've seen them in war movies. I can't think of specific oh, yeah. ones where it's just like somebody's kind of almost dying, and that they do then have a flashback sort of thing it's normally that's normally what it is is a flashback to a a moment in their life that it's like a a a pinnacle sort of plot sort of thing but i've never seen one that that is so dramatic in the way that armageddon was where it was just like so like just so rapid so everything um and so connective between harry and gracie Mm. like that was a very yeah they did it again you wouldn't think michael bay would be able to pull off something like that but it was great yeah yeah, and he really, if he, I mean, Transformers had a little bit of emotion, but like he really put it all in this one, yeah. I feel. It does and, make you curious if you do it in slow-mo, 4K, 
does Optimus Prime show up with as fast as the photos are in there? <laughs> Did he slip a bumblebee or an Optimus in there? <laughs> Shia uh, LaBeouf is in there somewhere. <laughs> I don't think I want Shia on my spacecraft either. He's one no. I would say. Uh, He's spa- straight up space crazy. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you know who I, Shia was on this dude's podcast. Um, he was in Walking Dead. Um, oh, John Bernthal. John Bernthal. He'd be yeah. good in a, a space movie. But he he's not your big dude like a Michael Clark Duncan or a Dolph, but he's a guy who's still driving that rig. Yeah. Like he's yeah. he's a Jason, Jason Statham in a sense. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, just your, your rebel, your renegade, your whatever mm-hmm. kind of guy, your jack of all trades. Like, yeah, I'll get, I'll get dirty kind of guy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Shia. Why'd you paint a skull on your spacesuit, buddy? Because <laughs> I'm the Punisher. <laughs> Are there zombies in space? <laughs> <laughs> and then you got, uh, you know, great, great uh, movie, Major League. What if Charlie Sheen was there? Um, we were. We don't allow cutoffs in this space program, son. <laughs> you know, he just takes his sleeves off of his NASA uh, space suit. No, you're going to need those, Charlie Sheen. Well, Charlie Sheen in space, he's a... Uh, He's space uh, crazy for Earth space crazy, crazy and space crazy. <laughs> that could be a whole segment. Who's space crazy <laughs> and, and who's not? I mean, it's just such a beautiful moment, though. They're all yelling, press it, press it, press it. And, you know, he finally does. And you get it. And, and that asteroid, the way that that was a cool special effect for sure. Um, uh, how they did that. And it just kind of spread apart. And you just get Earth cheering because mm-hmm. you could see it from the sky and it's just you know you have all those great moments and then of course you have Liv who just lost her dad mm-hmm. um and so it's just a two sides of the coin very very emotional now young dave young dave and adult david had the same thought though like they're landing how fun would it have been to do that slide off the plane right like that just mm-hmm. seemed cool like and jump down and like land into you know, a, a pool or something but i always liked that scene like that that's at least they just save the world. They get a little fun here, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, and then, of course, another slow walk with the remaining team, and then Liv Tyler running, and then Ben starting to run, and you get that great hug. And it, it's absolutely—I just feel like Bay. If you kind of just do it again, just give us another movie like this now. Let's see what yeah. you got, man. Mm-hmm. You've done it. You know you can do it. Um, I don't know. I really felt like he hit home on these emotional scenes. Yeah, for uh, sure. There's something about it that he did that I really stylistically like. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and a lot of people did, right? At $553 million. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it's clearly um, really good. But um, I, I just loved, loved how Willie Sharp was able to say, I'd like to permission to shake the hand of the, brave, the daughter of the bravest man I've ever met. Of course, Billy Bob says goodbye. But then my favorite is Chick. Like, just kind of, well, now I have nobody yeah. uh, in my life. And then you see the son running around and, and just, like, he's so shocked. Like, I couldn't imagine the emotion of you lost your best friend. Your best friend, though, saved the world and saved you and yourself. Mm-hmm. And now you get to have a relationship with your son. Right. Chick just, I mean, talk mm-hmm. about story arc. Or oh, for sure, yeah. development. It's just wild. I love that scene, though, because um, it's just really, it's just beautiful. What is, it's crazy that Armageddon brings these things out. Yeah. Right? Here yeah. we are talking about this when a lot of the movie is space flying. And blah, blah, blah. But I really think what stands on why we're talking about it is the emotional stuff yeah. that was done so well. This mm-hmm. is just a great movie. 
Yeah, I think it will always be up there when it comes to... I think it will be the pinnacle end of the world movie. I I, I don't think anything has kind of taken that mantle. Um, and I think it's I think it's up there for Bruce Willis's um, library of films too. Like I I think it's it's definitely in his top three for sure. Um, oh, and yeah. I feel like even for Ben Affleck, I feel like it's up there too. I agree. I agree. Like I don't know how they look at these, but I hope they remember them as something that maybe definitely. Uh, I don't know. Catapult's not the right word, but definitely started, or maybe catapulted. I don't know, but like, I mean, Armageddon is is huge for them. I would imagine. Um, I I don't know what they're. I wonder if they have a relationship still. You know, Ben and, and yeah, and Bruce, and and especially with Bruce's health. Um, I don't know. You know, Bruce did start doing kind of the Nick Cage style of stuff with his filming and recording, yeah. but like, Street I was red, red box for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they, they were a lot of the same style of movie. It felt right. like, and I never saw any of them. I would have to say my last current Bruce Willis movie. Cause I did say Ben Affleck with the flash, but with Bruce, I would probably have to say it was one of those last diehards, like with his son or maybe, I don't mm. know. It wasn't that great. Um, and I think then it was just kind of like, okay. Oh, but I would say Looper is one of my favorite of his. Yeah, um, Looper's that pretty I could, awesome. That I could rewatch, yeah. You know, so, but I, I think um, this has been great talking about an end of the world uh style movie um which does kind of lead me into something that i wanted to share which is not end of the world at all style but it's just funny we're talking about an asteroid and ending something which is again this is just me talking now um just kind of sharing where where i'm at but i david here uh, is going to be taking uh, a break from the pod from bygone geek now um i don't know like what that will look like in the future but I just wanted to say thank you to everyone uh, who's listened. Thank you to Eric for all the work he's done on this podcast. And thank you for the community. And it's been fun reliving the nostalgia. Um, I'm just uh, I'm just having a friend's, uh, we were on a break, you know, style moment. Um, but it just has not lost on me how much fun this has been. And um, just getting to know everyone and the community through the 80s and 90s and all the nostalgia so you know taking a break uh and uh i'll leave now to eric to talk about the rest of bygone geek here yeah i feel like um this was something that david had just mentioned to me actually yesterday so uh i don't quite <laughs> know what we're gonna pivot to with bygone geek or, or what we'll do in the break or, or how the future will look but i am kind of hoping that we'll be able to continue to do stuff and figure out some, whether we have guest people on or other nostalgic um, podcast people. But, um, but yeah, I feel like uh, out of the two movies that I feel like we, cause we already had this actually Armageddon actually planned. So I find it interesting that this is episode <laughs> 75 Armageddon, end of the world, you know, um, I feel like the only other better movie would have been Cliffhanger with Sylvester Stallone. And it's just like, <laughs> I don't quite know what's happening here, but Cliffhanger would have been, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, um, it's crazy to think of that. Yeah. 75 episodes, um, has been a long time and we've never missed a week. Um, I feel like we've compensated at different times and preloaded episodes and stuff like that. But yeah, it, it's, it's, um, it has been fun and, I'll be curious to see, yeah, where we go, where we go from here. But yeah. 
So um, anything else you want to say, David? Is that it? Just again, thank you, everyone. Um, like I said, I don't know what this will look like, but thank you. Um, and uh, it it has whatever continues. It's 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 something that I have now as uh, not a 90s memory, but a 2022, 2023 memory. And uh, a lot has happened when we started recording this. And it's just been really wonderful to see um, how it's growing and will continue to grow in the community. And, um, you know, what is uh, <laughs> uh, the Sandlot, you know, uh, heroes never die, but legends last forever kind of thing. Like, that's what I think nostalgia is for sure. Um, and yeah, so it has been, just been a blast. So thank you. Like I said, said it like 50 times. I don't know what this means. So I did as a cliffhanger, but it has been a blast doing it. And uh, yeah, just take a look at everything. But thank you guys. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. And until the next time you see us or hear us, be sure to live your life with just a little bit of whimsy. See you guys later. Thank you for tuning in to Bygone Geek. Please rate and review our podcast and follow us on Instagram at Bygone Geek. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. January.